The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we go into, uh, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour. We're going to shift gears and talk a little bit about a new book called The Hashtag Pace, Process for Early Career Success. And um, to talk about that is the uh, founder and CEO of CoreAxis Consulting and author of uh, the hashtag pace process, uh, Mark Zides, who joins me by phone. Good morning, Mark. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. Um, let Let's talk about this a little bit. The um, The book talks about a, a process for early career success. I wish I'd have had this book forty years ago. Um, <laughs> I had I had a bad day on my 25th birthday when I realized I wasn't going to be a millionaire by the time I was 30. Um, <laughs> but but let's talk about uh, um, uh, first a little bit about Core Access Consulting. What exactly is that the the company you founded and uh, are in charge of? Yeah, so um, Core Access is a uh, uh, talent learning and development training company is the best way to describe it. What we do is we help companies um, deliver uh, training programs for new hires or compliance or sales, and uh, we're a services business, so we've been doing this for a long time. We have incredible talent uh, on our side that develops online courses or online experiences around leadership development, management development. We do a little bit of executive coaching, um, but for the most part, you know, we work with companies like Amazon, Bank of America, you know, some of the larger firms, but then we also work with startups and small firms, and we help them build out learning experiences for all their associates. You know, there's a couple of things. Um, I was reading some things. One is that by 2025, experts are predicting that millennials and Generation Z will make up the majority of the world's workforce. And at the same time, um, you've been suggesting and, and observing that um, the younger generations aren't really prepared to launch their careers. What is the workforce going to look like, and what does it mean to have a career in this day and age? Because I came up at a time when it was 30 and out. You know, you worked at a place for 30 years, you got a gold watch, and you retired, and that was it. Now people are working, what, a couple of years at this job, a couple of years at this job. Is it, um, what? what is it going to look like by 2025? 
Yeah, that that's the if anyone had the uh, proverbial you know um, silver bullet or crystal ball, they you know uh, they do extremely well if they could sort of uh, figure out what what the future of work is going to look like, and whether it's you know in a few years in twenty twenty five or even beyond. Um, and that's what people in the market um, that are in this you know career or leadership or future of work market are trying to trying to figure out and but it's it's been a paradigm shift the last couple of years particularly with the pandemic right so like you said we can go back and i'm like you um you know we can go back 30 years and say you know the workforce is much different than with uh, baby boomers or gen xers you know like me and now we're you know the gen z's are getting into the workforce and the gen y's are already there and they work and operate differently and they also have you know different skills because they grew up with technology right where you and i didn't grow up with technology you know the iphone's only you know 15 years old right so you know technology um has pushed this and you know the first part of your question was um you know are they prepared for work and what we're hearing and what i've observed and people at um, my company have observed is that you know they're not um prepared to get into their career and be successful. And what I mean by that is, you know, because there's more challenges now than there were even pre-pandemic, what I mean by that is it's hybrid work, right? So, you know, people that were going into the, into the workforce would go through an onboarding, traditional onboarding program. They'd meet people. They'd have lunch together. That's not happening as much anymore, right? People are working through Zoom. They're interviewing through Zoom um, or other, you know, online platforms. They're trying to figure out how do I build a network? How do I make connections with people at work? So it's just a much different environment and which changes the culture. And, and you know, there's the dynamic of, you know, these Gen, Gen Zs um, are coming into work almost with a, I call it like a freelance mentality, right? Because that's the way work gets done now. You know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, individual practitioners and we've had the great resignation and the, and the great, you know, all that's going on over the last couple of years. And I think well, these and- young... And and they've they've come of age during what some people are referring to as a gig economy. Hundred percent. Yep. So to your point earlier, people used to get the gold watch and stay somewhere for thirty years, and now I think the mentality is you know let's get into the workforce and work there for a couple of years and then pivot and do something else. And frankly, I'm okay with that, but I feel like in the, what the book's done a little bit is it's it's asking them to reflect on where they are at the company they're at, right? So could you do another role within that company versus leave the company, for example? Or, you know, are there other ways to sort of develop your own career early on versus just jump for the next job and, 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 and next company? Well, I'm, I'm wrestling with trying to determine what constitutes a career in this day and age. It used to be you picked a... Um, a, a field that you wanted to go into, doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know, whatever. And then you tried to position yourself to get with a successful company that would hire you and keep you there for the length of your career. Um, are, are the younger people now that that need to be thinking in terms of career, is it a matter of just collecting a bunch, you know, just collecting a toolbox full of skills uh, that they have available to them so they can bounce from position to position? Or is there still that sense that, you know, somebody who is interested in 
physics or biology or engineering or manufacturing is is going to get schooled in that field? Yeah, I think that's a great question, um, Tom. I think that, you know, I'm going to answer it two ways, right? I feel that there's certain industries or certain career paths that are still, you know, your traditional, right? You mentioned a doctor or a lawyer, maybe it's an engineer, right? Like those are, you know, careers that, you know, you're in a certain profession. And I feel that, you know, there's not as much gig economy, quote unquote, like going on in those professions, right? Certainly you can be a lawyer or, or a doctor and be super successful or a physicist, um, physicist and, and you can go work from company to company. But in the, in the other side, it's more of a traditional corporate America, right? So if, if someone's going to work for a company, what I'd coach them to do is find the right company that matches your, um, your values, your goals, um, and, and where you want to learn the most early on in your career. And then if it's a large enough company, find ways to develop your skills within the company, but then also see if there's a way to move around in the company, right? So almost like, um, you know, let's say you start in marketing and you work there for a year. Is there a rotational program? Is there a way to maybe go work in supply chain? Or is there a way to go work in another part of the organization that you can develop your skills across versus jumping into another company or, or over to a competitor? Well, I remember talking with uh, Nolan Bushnell when he wrote his book, Finding the Next Steve Jobs, and he talked about during the time he was developing uh, Atari, and Steve Jobs came to him, went to work for him to study, you know, what he was doing, and then went out and did his own thing. Are we seeing a lot of that kind of entrepreneurial spirit in the younger generations as they enter the workforce? Yes, absolutely. Um, I believe that, yeah, there is a lot of, um, you know, independence and entrepreneurialism that, that's going on, which I actually believe in because that's, you know, that, that's what fuels, fuels America. It fuels growth, right? So if someone believes that they can, you know, um, again, it, it all is based upon risk tolerance, right? So if you're an entrepreneur, um, you, you probably have a higher risk tolerance than someone who's not an entrepreneur. So I think it all really boils down to the individual and their own personal goals and their own, own personal values. Um, in general, as I wrote this book, you know, again, I felt that because I have, you know, three Gen Zers, um, children myself, that, you know, as, as we've, we've, as we've um, you know, overseen or, or, you know, parented these children of this generation, they were protected more than, you know, the prior generation, right? They, they had play dates that were organized a lot of their you know upbringing was very well very structured and they didn't necessarily learn how to fail right as 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 they were growing up and to me that translates a little bit into the workforce because if you don't know how to take risks and fail and figure it out on your own because you don't have that gene hasn't been developed um that's not in your dna then that doesn't bode well in the workforce um so what i would say is you know these early in career folks need to take chances, need to gather feedback, need to listen, need to push the envelope, you know, within these companies and find their way. Uh, and I know it's hard because we're in a, we're, a lot of these companies have remote work, right? So how do you, how do you build these relationships with your boss or your colleagues? And so that's a little bit about what the book's trying to, you know, trying to accomplish. That's been um, really interrupted by the pandemic. 
a hundred percent the the just the process of networking and and i don't care how good your system is networking by zoom or uh skype is not the same i i couldn't agree with you more um that said there are other platforms that exist that didn't exist 20 years ago when these when these um you know, um, young professionals were born, right? So LinkedIn didn't exist 20 years ago. Now it's a great platform for networking, right? Whether it's you, if you want to build your internal network at a company or you actually want to try to go find another job, right? Let's say you're early in your career and you've had a couple jobs that haven't worked out. You know, you can use LinkedIn as a platform to try to help you get a job where that didn't exist before. So the the workplace and the, and the platforms have changed. And I think, you know, these uh, young professionals, uh, you know, need to figure out sort of the best way to build their personal brand to get out into the marketplace. Mark, we got about two and a half minutes uh, before we go to break, and I'm hoping you'll stick around through the break and after so we can talk some more. Um, will you be able sure. to do that? Oh, sure. Absolutely. Great. I, I did want to ask, and I was afraid we'd, we'd bump right up to the... Uh, right up to the break but is hashtag pace a process yes it is it's um it's a word you know i've always used about uh, it means a lot of different things it's one of those words that you can mold to the situation so you can say hey tom keep the pace or you know what if someone's working too hard burning the candle at both ends you can say slow down your pace or maintain your pace or set the pace and i feel like it's one of those words that um, I've enjoyed using, you know, over the years, um, through my coaching and, and through a lot of my communication. And then as I wrote the book, you know, we turned it into essentially an acronym, right? Which is, you know, P A C E, you know, P is prepare, A is apply, C is commit and E is evaluate. And we can talk about that for a few minutes after the break, if you'd like. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to do that again. The book is called the hashtag pace process for early career success written by the founder and CEO of Core Access Consulting, Mark Zides, who is my uh, guest this hour. And, um, Mark, do you have uh, a, a website that you could share with people before we go to break? Sure. It's uh, um, www.markzides.com. So M-A-R-K-Z-I-D-E-S.com. Okay, um, Mark, I am going to take a, uh, a short break. We'll come back and we'll talk some more about Mark and the book. And, um, and, and I'll give you a chance to share that, uh, that website again before we uh, wrap up today, Mark. In the meantime, if you're listening to us on WFOV uh, LP, our voice is Radio 92.1 FM Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be back with uh, more with Core Access Consulting uh, CEO and founder Mark Zides, author of The Hashtag Pace Process for Early Career Success. So uh, stay with us. Lots more straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom Attorney General stuff? Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen... We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection.
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We're going to continue our conversation about a new book called The Hashtag Pace Process for Early Career Success, written by founder and CEO of Core Access Consulting, Mark Zides, who uh, joins me by phone. Um, Mark, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. No worries, Tom. Thank you. Um, just before the break, we were talking a little bit about uh, the hashtag pace process as a process. Um, can can you describe that a little bit, or is that too much of a spoiler alert from the book? Oh, no, not at all. i um, love to talk about it. So, you know, I, I believe that, you know, uh, every successful um, outcome has a process, right? Whether it's, you know, um, setting goals for yourself or, or you know, whether it's a business process or an engineering process or um, medical process. So, you know, in this book, you know, career advice or interviewing type of book, you know, um, I believe that, you know, uh, one needs to prepare um, for anything, right? Whether it's for a job, for an interview, you know, do your research, you know, figure out if it's the right company, you know, the the right industry. Um, So there's a lot of preparation that should go into, you know, identifying what career is best for you. and, you know, we outline or we sort of, you know, put together um, some steps in the book that talk about how to best prepare um, for a job interview or, or an approach. Um, apply, you know, is exactly what it means. You know, let, let, once you prepare yourself, then, then apply those skills, you know. Um, do the right things when it comes to trying to, you know, get through the interview process. Or, you know, even if you are in, the, in a job, you know, apply can mean, you know, how do you go from move up the career ladder? How do you, you know, go from your entry level role to the next role, right? So we have some um, sage advice there on apply. Uh, commit is, you know, commit to the job, commit to the role, commit to the company, commit to your success. And you know, there's some tough love in there. There's some, there's some coaching. There's some advice. There's some data. There's some um, information from experts that are, you know, in, in the market um, that that work at these companies and what they're looking for. From an individual, and the the last letter is evaluate. And you know, I think anyone in any career should evaluate where they're at, um, whether it's you know an annual you know evaluation or a couple times a year, and figure out is this what I want to do when I grow up. And again, I still haven't figured that out. Tom, it sounds like you've been really successful um, running this radio show, but you know, early in your career, that's where you can take chances. You can you know try to try to do something that's out of your comfort zone. So you know. We, we detail a little bit about what that means from a, you know, evaluation perspective. Mark, is positioning yourself within a company for promotion uh, the same sort of campaign that you might launch to apply for a new job? I, good question. I don't think so. I mean, I think once you're in, in a company, um, you know, there's a certain um, level of self-branding, right? With social media now nowadays, it's much different. You know, people have social profiles, you know, whether it's on LinkedIn or it's on Facebook or Instagram. And, you know, you have to actually make sure that you present yourself well. So when you're trying to get a job, you know, you have to have the right profile, you know, the right professionalism out there. When you get into a company, you know, you're building a network and you brought this point up earlier. It's, it is challenging to, to build, build your network if, if you're working remotely. But that said, that's why people have to actually go out of their way and do more to actually leverage their brand. And what I mean by brand is they're 
you know, what they're doing successfully. You have to advocate for yourself. You have to actually, you know, you don't want to be brash or bumptious and toot your own horn every day. Hey, look, look, look what I just did. But you need to reach out within these companies and build your network, build your brand, put yourself out there. What I mean by that is say, hey, you know, um, Tom, is there another project that I can work on? Or is there another way that I could, you know, help you or, you know, get some exposure? Don't just sit in your own, you know, virtual cube and just do your day-to-day work. You know, put yourself in the positions that can help your peers and help your um, help your boss look good. I I think it was... I can't remember how far back it was when Andrew Yang announced he was going to try to run for president, and he wrote a book. And in that book, he introduced, uh, he's not the only one to do this, but he introduced the idea of universal basic income. And the rationale behind that was that he believed that because of technology and because of artificial intelligence that a lot of the jobs historically that people could get and and make a living doing wouldn't exist anymore and that we had to look at changing the economy what are you finding as you study the the workforce and and the job market um is is that a, a a real concern, and how do we prepare for that, if so? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to compare myself to Andrew Yang, certainly a brilliant person, um, and has a great point of view uh, with respect to, you know, what he saw, what he sees, you know, uh, changing the workforce. I think that he's right when he says certain roles or certain job tasks are and will get automated, right, through AI and, and other technology platforms. That said, there's still work to get done. Um, you know, you can't necessarily automate all parts of an organization's process. Um, and there's, you know, I'm not a labor expert, but, you know, you see that there's still a lot of open jobs out there uh, in the market. And what's going to happen is, you know, the baby boomers, the way I look at things is they're going to, you know, continue to retire here in the next three to five years. Um, and then the Gen Xers are going to start to get their um you know, in the next, you know, phase after that. And that's what the book's about, is looking at the future of the workforce, these Gen Zs and Gen Ys. And, you know, what I believe is they're going to be able to work smarter. And to Andrew's point, they're going to have technology and AI to actually make decisions and get work done more efficiently. But that should also open up other aspects of the workflows, whether it's innovation or entrepreneurialism or other ways to actually help these companies grow and be different. Are there certain um, skills that um, are are new to this uh, process of of trying to prepare for careers going forward? I don't think there's new skills, but I believe, and it's a good question, Tom. I, I believe that some of the soft skills or some of the communication skills are lacking in this generation. And what I mean by that is, you know, you and I, if we have a debate or an argument you know, kind of old school, we would just have a difficult conversation, right? We'd sit down together, we'd hash it out, um, we'd agree to disagree, or we'd, we'd come up with a compromise, right? We believe, or I believe that, and, the, and a lot of the studies say that in this, you know, up-and-coming workforce or cohort of Gen Zs, they didn't necessarily have to deal with conflict in a face-to-face manner because guess what? They could 
they could text somebody or they could hide behind their phone, right? If there was a, a difficult conversation or an argument or something that needed to get taken care of. So again, look at that skill. I don't like I, like you asked a good question. Does this what skills are lacking? They still need to develop that skill, right? So that's one of the good examples I try to use to say when you get into the workforce, it doesn't translate because then if you need to have a difficult conversation in the workforce, they don't have that experience, right? They've never had to go through that before because they could hide behind their phones. So those are some of the soft skills that they need to develop when they get into the workforce, whether that's developing it on their own or through the relationships they build at work, if that makes sense. Well, and in, in, uh, I remember some time ago um, a, a friend of mine, we were talking about job skills, and he said writing was the thing that he saw lacking the most. Mm -hmm. And that's part of that communications package that you're referring to, Mark. And, and I agree with you because you can't run a business on emojis. <laughs> yeah, good analogy. I'll have to steal that one from you. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's fine. You could have it. Um, but but seriously, this this idea of of you know just talking in bits and pieces. I I made a joke recently that I get my news uh, from Facebook memes. <laughs> and it, you know, and, and I have a friend tell me about a week later. He said I was listening to Armchair Politics the other day, and he said you had me laughing so hard when you talked about getting your news off of Facebook. But but that's what that's what it's come down to is that so much of the information we're getting is uh, just just little snippets and sound bites and and uh, and and a little bit on the snarky side, right. Right. Yeah. Again, it's, uh, it's, you know, everyone has a platform now, right? So whether it's, you know, any of these social networks, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, anyone can say whatever they want. Um, and that goes back to me, you know, um, really, uh, advocating toward building your personal brand, because if you say something that's snarky or a little off base or a little controversial, guess what? Somebody might not want to hire you because you did that right, wrong, or indifferent. That's the world that we're in, Right. Um, there's, you know, it's hard to perceive what someone's true thoughts are sometimes when you're doing it, like you said, through emojis or other ways to communicate. Um, so yeah, I think that is a skill that, you know, these young professionals and young, younger generations need to develop, uh, you know, if they want to be successful in the workforce. How do, how do we encourage that? Because I, and I remember this has got to go back 20, 25 years. Steven Spielberg was, uh, accepting a, an Academy Award for something, and and it had to do with uh, with writing. And, and he used the, the microphone and the platform to encourage young people. He said, you got to read, because without reading, there would be no writing. And without writing, right. there would be no Star Wars or E.T. or, you know, any of these, these blockbuster films. And he said, you got you to have those those skills to do it. So some of these things that might seem old school or uh, outdated really aren't. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you're spot on. Um, you know, if I do a second book, maybe... Uh you can help me collaborate on it because uh, <laughs> we, we certainly have the same mindset uh, when it comes to that. You know, I don't know how to solve that, that, that challenge, right? I mean, it's, um, it is a new way 
uh, with technology, you know, around reading. I mean, everything's headline oriented, right? I mean, who's going to capture the, the, the best headline, right? Um, well, you know, and people are afraid, or, and people are afraid to say anything um, of, of any real significance or substance because if it offends somebody, they could be canceled. Correct. Correct. Yeah, again, it's it's a it's a challenging place from a sort of an open communication standpoint. But to go back to your initial point around, you know, communication and writing skills, I completely agree with you that that's a core skill that will, you know, help these young professionals be successful. And it even goes down to uh, go. It starts with email etiquette, right? Again, when oh, you and of I, course. you know, we're growing up. Email didn't exist, but now, um, how do you write a proper email, right? These these you know, young professionals come out of college don't necessarily know how to do that because they've been so used to, like you said, we'll use it again, the emoji way of communicating or quick little sentences because they've been texting. And there's a way to communicate. And we actually, at CoreAxis, you know, developed some classes on email etiquette, communication, networking, things like that, because it's really important to do it the right way. Because if you write a bad email or an inappropriate email, it, you know, it could cost you, um, you know, in the workforce. Well, and and I remember um, when I was I was in management for a, a short time. I um, actually I think the board may have been drinking when they hired me, but um, <laughs> but but I remember some of the some of the staff conflicts that it needed to be resolved were in the early days of of email were over emails. You know, somebody would, uh, you know, write an email to somebody asking for, you know, some information, and the person would write back, but maybe the person writing back had just stubbed their toe, and they were in kind of a bad mood when they read the email. And so they read it in a way that they perceived as, well, that person doesn't have any right or authority over me to tell me what information to gather or provide or give me assignments and then they'd write something back snarky and next thing you got this whole big conflict going on just because somebody read an email the wrong way yeah and that happens every day every minute in corporate america so um again that's one of those skills that you know these young professionals need to understand what's right and what's wrong and that email should be written in a way that they could be read as literal as possible right because if there's any ambiguity or gray area like you said it could set off somebody else because emails are you know can be perceived in many many ways um mark is this your first book yes it is um are there more <laughs> well tom i mean yeah i mean I, I i'd like to say you know i'd like to do another one and and the question becomes you know what's been the feedback with this first book, which again, it's only been out uh, less than a month and it's been, I'm very humbled, you know, very successful and we've received great feedback and um, a lot of energy behind it, you know, in this uh, group of, you know, uh, young professionals, you know, it's graduation season and it's a great book for a parent or a friend to, you know, get a college graduate or, you know, um, students looking for internships in the summer, you know, some good coaching there. So we'll see, you know, where this book kind of goes and, and helps. It's not, I don't think it's going to be quite, you know, the what colors your parachute, but, you know, it's in that genre. So if this could be, you know, uh, a percentage as successful as, as that great brand, then, um, you know, I think uh, there could be a second book in the works down the road. 
Now, the work that you're doing, um, and really it sort of includes the book as well, but the work of um, Core Axis Consulting is... It sounds from descriptions I've read like it's it's working with companies, but is it really designed to provide uh, information and guidance to uh, individuals to the to the workforce itself? Yeah, I mean, you know, really great question. I mean, what I would say about the difference, um, you know, the book was really written for um, the Gen Zs, right, and the younger Gen Ys, which. You know, uh, it's more toward, like you said, an individual or, you know, a college student um, or young professional that's looking to figure out, you know, how to get into the workforce. Um, the Core Access business, again, um, does some incredible work when it comes to, you know, training, learning, and development. They're not, they're not tied together, if that makes sense. I mean, the, the book is my personal brand, MarkSides.com. Um, you know, it, it takes the approach of, you know, me being really a coach and a mentor for these young professionals where core access, you know, again, works with large global companies. And again, any real, any real company when it comes to building learning experiences. But what helped me write the book was the feedback and observations that I've had over the last, you know, 25, 30 years of what these companies look for when they want to hire these young professionals, right? So I took that lens to be able to say, hey, guys, these, if you want to get a job with these companies, this is what they look for, right? So I took that experience and applied it to the book, but the book is really meant to be, you know, for these up-and-coming young professionals, if that makes sense. No, it makes, uh, it makes perfect sense, and I was trying to, to get some sense of if there were programs within the um, uh, Core Access Consulting offerings that were uh, geared toward... Um, the workforce as well, but it but it sounds more like you're trying to work within companies to correct. Help yeah, Corex is yep, yep. Yeah, Corex is really think about it as a B two B you know business. Um, you know, really successful, growing kind of you know think about it as a as a learning consultancy. And you know, the book is really you know meant to be geared toward either the up and coming young professionals or we believe that college and university career centers would be great platforms or great, you know, um, organizations or groups within these, comp- within these uh, schools that could leverage this content, right? That could leverage, you know, uh, some of the, uh, the PACE process to, to help their students get, get jobs or, or get their careers going. As the personality of the workforce changes and evolves, are companies um, understanding that they have to change and evolve their their training to uh, accommodate this uh, newer workforce? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, great point, um, great question. You know, you've seen or we've all seen a lot of these companies change a lot of their policies, a lot of their uh, ways that they recruit um, this young talent. And, you know, for example, companies like, you know, big brands like a Google or Microsoft, you know, a lot of these firms have unlimited vacation time, for example, right, which you and I would probably never dream of when we were, you know, coming up in the workforce, right? But that's that's a hook or that's a benefit that they have now offered, right, to, to this workforce. So, you know, there's other benefits, other, you know, um, 
um, things that companies are doing to attract young talent, uh, whether it's rotational programs or, you know, hybrid workplace or, um, you know, ways to, you know, travel, things like that. So, yeah, I think it is, it is much different and it's very competitive, you know, to find great talent, you know, just like it's always been. Um, but it's a little bit, you know, different now the way that, you know, companies are recruiting. And are you finding that even with, with young people, or is this something that's happening mostly with uh, seasoned workers, this, this great resignation that's sort of evolved during the pandemic, that, that older workers are, are really rethinking choices that they've already made? I think it's a little bit of both. I think, I think you know, people that are, have been in the workforce for, for a little longer, you know, self-reflected and said, hey, is this what I want to do for the next, you know, call it 10 years or 15 years, right? Or do I want to try something on my own? Do I want to, you know, go into the gig, gig economy like you mentioned smartly before? Um, so I think that was a lot of the great resignation sort of over the last, you know, year, 18 months because people learned a lot about themselves, um, you know, over this pandemic. And I think that a lot of folks said, Hey, life's too short. And I want to do something that's, you know, um, really meaningful to me or, or, or something that I really want to do. And why am I going to stay in a, in a role that, you know, feels like it's not going to propel me or, or motivate me. So I think that's what some of that was. Um, but for the younger workforce, I think, um, you know, it's still a combination of, you know, do I want to be as you said, a freelancer or, or sort of fall into that gig economy and go from project to project, or do I want to align myself with a great organization, a great brand, you know, that have great people or great products or great services. Um, and I think, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit, bit of a different mindset for them. Well, my guest is uh, the co-founder and CEO of Core Access Consulting and the author of a new book called The Hashtag Pace Process, for early career success, Mark Zides. Mark, am I saying that right? Yes, you are. Thank oh, you. Good, good, because I'm kind of terrible with names. But, uh, <laughs> um, Mark, it's been a real pleasure talking with you this morning, and thank you for sharing uh, information with me and the listeners uh, here on the air this morning and also uh, in your book. Um, I always let guests uh, share with listeners where they can find out more about you and your work past present and future you want to share your website again sure tom it's uh mark and it's m-a-r-k-z-i-d-e-s um you know you can learn a little bit more about my background or um if you want to purchase the book um or the audible from from the website you can certainly do it there or there's other platforms you know whether it's amazon or barnesandnoble.com uh, the book's available. You just get a search on hashtag Peace Process, and it should come right up. Well, Mark, thanks again, and keep up the good work. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Again, that was Mark Zides. And uh, if you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 LPFM Flint, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my good friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's lots more of the Tom Sumner Program yet to come. Hope you'll stay with us. 
Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice vaccination to protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles meningitis and whooping cough that's why nearly all parents choose it stroller or carriage basketball or soccer so get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two for more reasons to vaccinate talk to your child's doctor go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800 cdc info Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey, why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days, price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney General and we got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nussel. 
If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash AG. Put those away. We're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner. Uh, I worked as an accountant for a number of years in Chicago. Uh, and I had a kind of a strange uh, theory of accountancy. Uh, I had always felt, uh, you know, if you got within two or three bucks of it, <laughs> But this never really caught on. <laughs> and as a consequence, I held a number of different accounting jobs, you see. And it seemed like whenever I would go with a company, uh, they would always be having a retirement party. And I found out one thing. They are all alike. Uh, different people will retire. Different people make the speeches. But they all say the same tired old thing. I went to one in Chicago for a guy named Chuck Bedlow. He was an accountant, and he was retiring after 50 years. And first of all, Mr. Clayton got up. He was the president. He gave a little address. Then Mr. Tipton, the vice president, gave a little address. And finally, Bruce Higgins, the head of the accounting department, got up and gave a little address. And he was Mr. Trite. He used every cliche that had ever been used at a retirement party. Uh, and he said things like this. Well, uh, uh, golly, I guess today's the day, isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's really going to seem funny, though, uh, golly, walking in here Monday morning and, and not seeing, uh, not seeing uh, uh, Charlie's uh, smiling, happy face there at the desk. I, uh, I got to calling him smiling, easygoing Charlie. <laughs> and I guess most of us had some sort of nickname or other. We used to call him from time to time. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget a... Well, that, that too, yeah. Uh, I'll never forget a kind of amusing thing happened. Uh, I had just gotten out of college and... Uh, now, what's the, what's the phrase I'm looking for here? I, I, well, a, a little wet behind the ears, I guess, might be the way to put it. <laughs> and I was made department head here. And uh, many's the night that Charlie and I used to uh, sort of uh, burn the midnight oil, so to speak. So let's really hear it now for a wonderful old guy. Uh, uh, Charlie uh, Bredlow. Bedlow, Bedlow. Charlie? <laughs> well, uh, uh, thank, uh, thank you very much, Bruce. Golly, I've been uh, sitting here uh, listening to uh, Mr. Clayton and um, Mr. Tipton, and of course Bruce here, and through all of their species, 
one thought kept sort of uh, recurring in my mind. I, uh, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I have never heard such dribble in all my life. <laughs> I, I don't suppose that it, it ever occurred to any of you that I had to get half stoned every morning <laughs> to make it down to this crummy job. <laughs> You'd, uh, you'd, you'd be smiling and easygoing if you were gassed all the time, too. <laughs> but you put in your 50 years, and they give you this crummy watch. <laughs> they, I try to, try to make a big deal out of it. It works out to about 28 cents a year. <laughs> but uh, ser seriously, if it hadn't been for the 50 bucks a week that I glommed out of petty cash, <laughs> well, I, I just uh, I couldn't have made it on the. And a lousy salary they pay you. <laughs> oh, and then uh, someone started the rumor about Miss um, Wilson, the, uh, the cashier, and myself. <laughs> and everyone was running, if, uh, you know, when I retire and uh, she gets back from her vacation in Florida, whether well, uh, we would get married, I suppose, and spend our declining years down there. Uh, she, she isn't coming back, by the way. I understand that sweet old Miss Wilson is uh, into this company for about a hundred thousand bucks. <laughs> It's a little deal that she's worked out. <laughs> she either calls it uh, double payrolling or ghost payrolling or some, something having to do with payrolling. <laughs> I can never make heads or tails out of what she was talking about. Of course, she's uh, down in Mexico with a hundred thou. And I'm up here with this crummy watch. <laughs> So anything that I might say, I suppose, would be sour grapes. <laughs> One last thing. A lot of uh, people have asked me, Charlie, what are you going to do when you finally retire? Oh, are you going to get a little uh, part-time job in Florida or uh, just a lull around the beach? Or in other words, what am I going to do? I have some tapes from some office parties.
that I'm, I'm going to let go for 1,500 bucks a copy. <laughs> now let me, let me take that back a minute. Uh, the June picnic may run 17.5. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Yes, dear. 
At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized <laughs> as soon as I regained consciousness. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.